The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. As we continue our series, Broken Hearted, I want to make sure that all of you, because at the end of the message today, I'm going to ask you to get two index cards, blank index cards. If you did not receive them, would you hold up your hands kind of high? Because the ushers are going to come by and make sure that everybody in this place gets two index cards. So hold your hands up there, and the ushers will come around and make sure that, that you receive them. You know, everybody's grumbling this morning. Ah, I lost an hour of sleep, and the Pastor Tony's making me do this homework here with the two index. <laughs> Which is cool, because we're going to read a parable about grumbling. So anyway... Um, <clears throat> As we start and as those ushers come by, I want you to just think with me for a moment. Some of, hold them up high, uh, some of these uh, way, some of the common things that, that children say when they start uh, learning how to speak and when they're, when they're very small and they kind of repeat these, these words over and over again. Okay? So the, these words, like one of the first words they learn is, no, or mine. You know, no, mine, or, or why, Daddy? Why this and why that? And you can't answer it. Just because, right? Why? Uh, I don't know why. You know, uh, but then as, as they, um, or when, they're, when, they're, when you're at the grocery store or the toy store, and then, you know, the, the, the impulse, impulse aisle is there. I want that now. I want this. And then three little words as they get older, middle school, preteen, not I love you, but um, it's not fair. Yeah, you're probably going to be grumbling against me too, by the way. If you take your message notes out, I am the pastor that doesn't put, like, the words on the bottom, okay? Well, I can't fill this out. Yeah, no. Just look at the red, you know, it's in red, yeah, it's in red. Those words you fill in, okay? It's not fair, and if you missed one, that's okay. You know, you can watch online again, or you can, you can call me, email me, whatever, ask me after the service, what, what was that word? It's not fair. That's the one. It's not fair, Dad, that I can't go outside and play or watch television before I do my homework. You know, it's not fair. It's not fair that Little Susie's mom and dad buys them everything they want, but I have to go with this, you know, second brand, no name, whatever. It's not fair. How many of you are guilty of of saying that? I mean, God builds in us this innate sense of fairness. He just does. He builds it into how we are, and as we grow and mature, that's actually a good thing. It is a good thing because as we grow and mature, that sense of fairness kind of sets the foundation for us for what's just. And what's equality? And what does that mean? It's kind of like this. It's not fair that in the history of our country, some people were allowed to vote and some, and some others weren't. It's not fair that some had to sit in the back of the bus, you know, while others rode in the front. It's not fair that this guy who's doing the same job as I am is getting paid more than I am. It's not fair. We say that so many times in our lives. And then that sense of fairness you know, kind of establishes that justice and equality. And, 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 and we, we know from God's word that God is just. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4, He is the rock, His works are perfect, and all His ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is He. 
See, God has put his image. We're designed in God's image, right? Yes? We, we are, but, but, but that image is broken and it's partial because of our sin. But yet we know what's fair. We know what's just. God is just, but is God fair? We'll answer that later in our, in our service. Sometimes as human beings, when we strive for fairness, when we want what's fair, it might not always be helpful or practical. Why is that? Because our sense of fairness usually involves or tends to be somewhat inward-focused, somewhat egocentric. We assess fairness by what's good for us and what's done to us. We have this expectation. We have this hope. And it's very inward-focused. It's, it's oftentimes we don't regard other people's wants or needs before us. And so we have that, and we're going to read together a story today from the Bible, Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16, found on page 1,529. If you'd open up your Bibles, please, or you get one with the Bibles that we provide, we're going to talk about uh, uh, Jesus' story that he tells uh, that really exposes this weakness and fairness. He wants to get to the heart of the people that are really his brothers and sisters in faith, the people of Israel, God's chosen people, right? They had an expectation. They had this hope. They, they, you know, they, Jesus really wanted to say, there's something broken in your hearts right now. And you remember that we've said this a couple times, Jesus' words from Mark chapter 7, from within, out of men's hearts come what? Come sin. Evil thoughts, adultery, murder, greed, envy, all of that. But in, in, it's from inside that makes us, not, it makes us unclean and not the outside. We've said that in our series. And so Jesus is speaking to God's chosen people. And guess what? We're God's chosen people. By God's grace, he chose you and I before the foundation of the world. And so God is going to speak to us through his story. Last, uh, last week, Pastor RJ talked about lying. The week before that, uh, Pastor Joe talked about anger. And so the, the Monday morning after Pastor Joe preached, I knocked on his door and said, Joe, did you ever find the snake? And I know all of you guys are wanting to know that. And maybe not all because you probably went, made a beeline to, you know, Pastor Joe tried to ask him, did you find the snake? And he said, yeah, Tony, I found it that same night. It was on top of the warm air vent, you know, in the basement, and I, and I got it. And being the, you know, professional snake expert, handler, breeder that he was, he said, if you ever have a loose snake in your basement, I'm like, nope, never going to happen. You know, because I got this no thing down. Daddy, can we have a pet? No. No. So he found it. He said, yeah, if you ever have a loose snake, they're always going to go to the warmest place in your house. Or the most, you know, tiny space so they can scrunch together. So now the suspense is over. You can either say, oh, breathe now, you know. You probably didn't hear Pastor RJ's message last week about lying because you were thinking about that all week. But now I shared it with you, so we're good. Matthew chapter 20, verse, uh, uh, beginning in verse 1. Jesus' words, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius, that's a daily wage, one uh, for all the work that they did, a denarius for the day, and sent them into his vineyard. About the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. 
So they went. He went on again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour. I'm going to stop there for just a minute because Holy Week is approaching. And a lot of these times we, we get to hear like the third hour and the sixth hour and the ninth hour. So you know what these times are in Jewish reckoning. It's 9 a.m., it's noon, it's 3 p.m., okay? Because Jesus died between the third hour, was it, and the, the sixth hour? Or the sixth hour and the ninth hour? Sixth hour and the ninth hour. See, I, I have to always review he died between noon and three, so the sixth and the ninth. And so the Jesus' words, about the eleventh hour, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day, all, all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones. The last one's hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the 11th hour came and each received a denarius. So when those who came were hired first, they expected to receive more. Do you hear the words, it's not fair? They expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, Friend, am I not being unfair to you? Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same, the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So what's the kingdom of heaven like? The last will be first. The first will be last. So right up front, we got to kind of figure out, okay, there's, a, there's different characters in the story. One's a daily laborer. What's the life of a daily laborer? Well, they don't have regular employment. So they have to sit out in this public market square. Yes, they're doing nothing, but they want to be doing something. So they're they're standing there waiting for a landowner or manager to say, pick me. Trouble is, there's more laborers than there is labor. There's no unemployment line and there's no social services to fall back on. And so there, if you're lucky and if you're healthy, you're going to get picked. But if you don't get picked... They have to go home and look at those disappointed looks. You know, I needed to provide for you today, but I couldn't. And so it kind of gives us a sense when, when Jesus, you know, the disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. And, and Jesus prays, give us this day our, our daily bread. Because if you weren't picked, man, that's an issue. So this story, this parable of Jesus, everyone gets picked. Everyone's fortunate to get chosen. Some in early in the morning, some in the mid-afternoon, some at the 11th hour. They get picked and receive a full day's wage. I mean, can you imagine those picked on the 11th hour? They're not just pleasantly surprised. They're probably flabbergasted. Like, are you kidding me? I get a full day's wage. I worked an hour. Sweet. What character trait then, this landowner who represents God, what character trait did he display? Was it fairness? 
Was it justice? How about generosity? Absolutely. The laborers didn't see it as generosity, though. They had expectations, especially in the order that they were paid. The last were paid first. Oh, he got a denarius? Hmm. Quick mental calculations, right? I think I'm going to expect this from that landowner. Absolutely. They anticipate. They have these expectations. And then what happens? They get the same thing as the ones in the... And, and then what's screaming out at you and me? It's not... It's not fair. I mean, who could blame them? It's not fair. They're disappointed. They're maybe even, they may be even angry, right? It just isn't fair. It echoes back to childhood, goes all the way to adulthood. And the landowner says, wait a minute. I am fair. I am equitable to you. I, we agreed upon this price. And you came and worked. You get paid this, no more, no less, the same. And then... Isn't it my prerogative, he says, to do what I want with my generosity? So why did these daily laborers begrudge the landowner's generosity? You can fill this word in twice. Envy, envy. It's our, our, our character trait of the week. The brokenhearted trait of the week is envy. Envy, what's it mean? It's a feeling of discontent. It's resentment aroused by another's possessions. Our qualities, and then we have that strong desire to have them for ourselves. Envy, it's destructive, it's damaging, it's kind of like a cancer from, from within men's hearts. And the Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 14, 30, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but what rots the bones? Envy. It's damaging, it's destructive. Envy, if you think about this, goes way back the beginning of time, to God's creation. He creates everything. He creates Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve are in this perfect state of bliss, right? I mean, it's paradise. It's perfection. They have everything they could want right at their fingertips. Yes? Everything. And yet, somehow, somehow they feel that God's holding out on them. He's not giving me everything. I mean, you can eat from everything in this garden, but not that, not that one. And then Satan comes by. How sly. How cunning. And he tempts them. Didn't you hear what God said? He said, if you eat of that one, oh man, now you're going to get more knowledge. The knowledge of good and evil. And then you're going to be like God. And so Adam and Eve think, hey, wait a minute. I'm envious. God's holding out on me. I'm lacking something. So here's what they did. Instead of assessing their lives through the abundance of what they had, they judged their life by what they felt they lacked. I mean, how many of us are guilty of doing that? You don't have to raise your hand, but I'll raise mine because, man, the devil tempts us that way even today, and then we begrudge and we grumble. You know, I can't be happy for somebody else's good fortune because it should have been mine. Good fortune. And the landowner says in verse 15, Are you envious because I am generous? In the Greek, that word envious means wicked eye. Do you have a wicked eye looking at your neighbor who has these blessings? Are you envious? And all of us would have to say, Yes. 
I mean, I can't be truly happy for a couple that just got pregnant when I tried to have a family for I don't know how many years. Or it's hard to be happy with someone who inherited this lump sum of money, cash, right? Gigantic, and we're working 50, 60 hours just to scrape by. It's hard to be happy when somebody buys a brand new house three times bigger than your own, you know, when they only have two people living. It's hard to be happy when somebody pulls in, you know, to your driveway with a 2018 Dodge Challenger and you're driving around with a 15, 20-year-old car. Is it hard to be happy? It's not fair, we think. We have broken hearted condition called envy. And what was the response to the landowner's generosity by the daily laborers? Was, was it they, they were feeling fortunate? Was it? No. They were feeling unfortunate because they didn't receive what those guys did. Rather than rejoicing with those other ones who, who were, were all day, you know, they didn't get picked. And now they did. I mean, they begrudged. They, they, they envy. They weren't grateful. They grumbled. They resented. Envy is a broken-hearted condition. Are you envious? Times in my life, and maybe at times in your life, you can say, yes, we are. So envy, really, it's, it's, it comes down to this. It's doubting God. It's not trusting God. It's saying, God, are you really going to provide for me? God, I, I lack this, but, but, but God, I deserve this. And there are two ways that we're envious. And one way is this, that, that we're envious of what God gives to others that we don't have. God, you gave this guy, you know, this special skill. And, and I, don't, I don't have that. Or God, you gave that guy this good looks, you know, and all on. on oh, I want that. God, you gave this person something else and I'm entitled to. I mean, I've been working hard in your kingdom. You know, I've been a Christian for a long time, trying to do good. I'm doing all these things. And God, I deserve more, don't I? Second way that, that, that we're envious is, is that we're resentful of what spiritual things God chooses to give others that we deem as undeserving. What does that mean? I'll tell you a little story about uh, when I was witnessing to a Bosnian Muslim woman um, when the war, the Balkan Wars came, there was this, this ethnic cleansing, if you've heard of that, genocide. Uh, this man, Slobodan Milosevic, who got tried for war crimes there for all of that. You know, she looked at me when I was sharing the gospel. I'm thinking, you're going to love this Jesus and what he's done, you know. You're a sinner, I'm a sinner. I mean, but this is what Jesus did. And then she looked at me, well, was Slobodan a Christian? I mean, because if he's going to be in heaven, I don't want to be there with him. Whew. What do you say to that? What do you say to that? All, all, all we can say is, you know what? It's up to God. He's the landowner. He's the landowner. See, the problem with, with us is I, I feel, you know, like I deserve more than that worse sinner. You know, the Bible says no idolater, no adulterer, no homosexual, no prostitute. I think in Corinthians it lays out all these sins. You know, why do they go and they get to go in the last minute? They get to live a, a whole life full of sin. And at the 11th hour, they're going to become a Christian? And we think these thoughts, that's not fair, God. And those landowners' words ring true. Are you envious because I am generous? Don't I have the right to do what I want to do? Not with just money, but with my grace, with my mercy, with my forgiveness. And here it is, God isn't fair. God isn't fair. He doesn't give us what our sins 
deserve. I mean, can you think about it from God's perspective? His holy, perfect perspective? I mean, if I gave you what you deserve, who would be in heaven? Who would be in heaven? Nobody would be in heaven. You don't really want fairness, God says. You don't really want my justice. You won't be able to handle it. Instead, I'm going to give you what you need. I'm going to give you my grace. I'm going to give you my love, my mercy, my forgiveness to you. Psalm 103 puts it this way. I love the way the psalmist writes, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sin, our transgression from us. Were Adam and Eve directly condemned or killed or died because of their sin? No. God allowed them to live longer because he promised good news to them. He said, I'm through you going to send a Savior who's going to take care of the whole the sins of the whole world. And if you believe that promise, Adam and Eve, you're mine. All those people in the Old Testament believed in a promise that a Savior is coming. All of us in New Testament times as Christians, we look back on that promise that God actually sent Jesus. And we believe that. And because we do, our sins are forgiven because God showed just how just he was by actually punishing sin. And he punished the sin on a perfect substitute. And only Jesus could be that perfect substitute. And so when you look at the cross, when you look at the cross, when you see this cross here, when you see that cross here, when you see a cross wearing on a necklace, wherever you see a cross, you're going to see God's perfect justice meted out or doled out on the back of Jesus. And you're going to see his perfect mercy given to us because of the blood of Jesus Christ. God's perfect mercy combined with his perfect justice in the cross. Do we grumble as Christians? Do we whine? This Christian life is too hard. I mean, I'm missing out on all the fun. It's too demanding, God. How are those people, you know, at the 11th hour going to come in and they get exactly what we get? When we have those feelings... There's a good passage in Scripture, Isaiah 55, verse 7, says this, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him. He will freely pardon. When I have those thoughts, I'm the wicked man. Right? When I have those thoughts, those evil thoughts, it's me. Because I don't get what I deserve. You see, envy causes Envy causes this, that we have a tendency to find faults and flaws and people and things and other, in, in other ways, in, not just in ourselves, but, but in others. We find faults and flaws in our job, in our church, in our relationships. And we say things like, you know what? If this would happen in my job, then I would be happy. You know, or if, 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 if my husband looked like that guy and did that, oh, then I'd be happy. If my wife looked a little bit like a supermodel and, and made money like a neurosurgeon, I might be a little more happy. 
But my wife is beautiful inside and out, and she missed this. She's not even here. Look at that. She's preparing for a meeting. But thanks, Brandon. If my church would just sing these songs or, or do this more in this ministry or have this situation, then I'd be happy. I mean, we all have that, right? I mean, come on, admit it. And the list goes on and on. What if God had that same attitude towards us? What if he said, you know what, I'm not going to look past your flaws and I'm going to be fair towards you. What if he said, Tony, if you were just more like Billy Graham, then I'd be happy. You know? Or, or, or Tony, if you, if, I mean, if you just spend a little bit more time in my word instead of more time on the soccer field or, or doing something else, or if you wouldn't just give a tithe to church, but more so instead of wasting your money, ouch. It's a good thing God doesn't focus on our flaws. Amen? He doesn't. He looks beyond our faults. He looks beyond our flaws. And he says, I see Jesus first. And because of his blood and his righteousness, Tony, you're righteous. This, what? Yeah. I forgive your sin. I'm giving you grace and mercy. You don't deserve it. You didn't earn it. But I'm giving it to you. It's like kind of the best friends that you have in your life. They know every single thing about you, you know? Don't they look beyond your faults and look beyond your flaws? It's kind of like your family who's with you through thick and thin. They look beyond your faults and, and, and all your flaws? Yes, they love you. God's mercy and his love, he chooses to give to you through Jesus and his perfection and his righteousness. And so what's the cure of broken-hearted condition of envy? It's focused on blessing. I mean, what if we only paid attention to the areas where we have abundance and we're grateful for it? We have gratitude instead of envy. What would our life be like if we did that? Because we can't be grateful and envious at the same time. We just can't. So which is it going to be? It's time to get out your index cards, two of them. Get a pencil, get a pen. We're going to spend some moments here. We're going to talk about this. On one of those index cards, I want you to write one or two things. Just one or two, that's it. Okay, if you have to write three, go ahead. That cause you to be envious right now. And maybe you're saying, you know what, I'm really not envious. Okay, next week we're going to be talking about pride. Uh, What is something that you're begrudging or grumbling to God about? What is something that you feel that you lack from God? Be honest. Because now it's between you and God. Don't look at your neighbor. Don't look at your spouse. Don't look at your friend in front or behind. It's you and God time right now. Just write a couple things down. And then when you're finished with that, turn that upside down. Just lay it aside for a minute, upside down or underneath the the other index card. And on this one, I want you to write, what areas do you have in abundance? What are you grateful for? What are the blessings in your life or in your family's life or in this country that you're thankful for? And write those down.
Sorry, I was looking at Brady. I'm sorry. Let's focus on this little baby who you might think is noisy, but it doesn't matter because you have a little child that's God's. Um, so I want you to do this now. So put those cards face down and in each hand, one in each hand. And I want you to look at them. Are they the same size? Yeah, they're three by five. They're the same size. Are they taking up the same space in your hand? Yeah. Do they weigh the same? Yeah. But spiritually speaking, one is probably heavier than the other. And one feels as light as a feather. And so here's what Martin Luther, this reformer in the 16th century, he writes this. Either sin is with you, lying on your shoulders, or it's lying on Christ, the Lamb of God. Now, if it's lying on your back, you're what? But if it's resting on Christ, you're what? And you will be saved. Now, choose what you want. In just a minute or a moment, the ushers are going to come forward. You're allowed to put one of those cards in that basket. Which one's going to be? The other one you can take home and remember. But remember this, God isn't fair. He gives you more than what you deserve. Amen? And so we celebrate that this week, and we're grateful for it. Thank you, Jesus.